realized since Sunday that a lot of us have pretty passionate ideas about buffets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't say that's my one takeaway. <laughs> that's not your only takeaway? <laughs> but that's definitely a takeaway. I was actually surprised. Like when, when I asked who likes buffets, man, the hands shot up. Not a lot. No, I was going to say. It was a strong minority, though. The, the people who like buffets easy, are very easy. proud about it. Okay, there you go. Good. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, I'm a buffet guy. Not not me. I'm saying that, that that's how they feel. Me, I could not be more passionate about not being a, bu- a buffet, buffet guy. Yes. I like the cheap aspect of it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Here's, you pay now this one talking. fee and now you can go up and yep. just keep getting... Go at like 10.30, get <laughs> breakfast, stick around, get lunch. Yep. Here, here's, here's what I do know about Mike is that, you know, the whole ice cream at the end was not a surprise to me. Yeah. <laughs> Of every meal I think I've ever had with Mike, there's been a dessert involved in some form or fashion. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's lunch dessert, and then there's dinner dessert. You know. Oh, man. Are we sure Chipotle is not a buffet? I'm very sure. Mm. You're very sure. Because a buffet, you're getting different genres. I think they just rebranded buffet and no one noticed. Oh, all right. But I'm probably wrong. No, but it's the genre thing. They have a lot of different right. meat there. They do have a lot of different meat, but bowls. But nothing. Tacos, everything you put together there has to make sense. It all makes sense. No matter no matter what you order at Chipotle, it'll all be in the same. How about Wawa? Wawa's a buffet. Oh boy, yes. pizza. There you go. Wawa is a buffet. Burgers. Yeah. Wawa turned themselves into a buffet. How many they just people kept going. have yeah. stopped listening <laughs> okay. at this point yeah. or started? Yeah. <laughs> But Fine, we're talking we're about talking buffets about because you gave us a bunch of, yep. um, you know, kind of a grab bag of different ways that fasting can, um, I don't want to say be used, but. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so jog our memory with a couple of those things. What were some of those things that you mentioned? And then we'll uh, dig into a couple of them. Yeah. I'm talking with Dave after the sermon, which it would have been great if you had said this beforehand, <laughs> but. My bad. He wow. used, he used uh, the analogy of a Swiss army knife, which is great because it's more in the tool idea. Uh-huh. And there were different ways you can use fasting yep. um, and different ways you can use a Swiss Army knife. So I thought that was helpful too. But the thing with a Swiss Army knife and a buffet is that they're not all like super tightly related, which is why I used that introduction in the first place. Because there's various ways that you can use fasting, so to speak. You know, I don't want to use it in, in like a crass kind of way, but that you can like kind of integrate it into your life as a disciple. And so we looked at six ways. One was it's an expression of self-denial, which is part of a, a much bigger conversation of as followers of Jesus, we are joining him in his kingdom announcement, his yeah. kingdom project, and we need to deny ourselves daily, take up our cross, learn to pray, not my will, but your will be done. And so, you know, an essential and significant, consistent part of being a disciple is saying no, especially to ungodliness and worldly lust, for sure. Hmm. Fasting is saying, it's like kind of a practice, a training ground to say no to a good thing so that we might hunger for a deeper thing of the kingdom. So look to that. Fasting can be an expression of that, uh, kind of like a subcategory almost of that. Then we looked at like fasting can be a means for like cultivating humility and repentance. It can be a means of kind of like power to break through evil. Um, what else was on that list? There's an opportunity for... Direction and power, mm-hmm. uh, connection with love, yep. humility, did you mention that? Yep, and, and then, then the whole Jesus yep. fasting for and with Jesus. So, you know, if, if you're looking for direction in your life, 
you, of course, would pray, you would seek the scriptures, you would talk to other folks, but the early church, when they were looking for direction, they fasted and prayed, and it says the Spirit spoke and led through that. And so, you know, um, yeah, those are just various ways that fasting is used, or like the part with love is very important. It wasn't even that we should be fasting. It's like you can't engage with fasting without being a loving person, which is sacrificial and denying yourself for the good of other people anyway. It's another form of of self-denial. So those are the, the things that we looked at, and it's important because I think we need to remember like this metaphor that we're on a journey. And, um, you know, just took a class on metaphor, and so just kind of like meditating on various metaphors, but we are following Jesus to the heavenly Jerusalem, and he knows that along the way we're going to need various things for the journey. Second uh, Timothy 3 talks about how that the man of God is perfect and thoroughly equipped by the Word of God for this journey that we're taking, and fasting is one of those things that you're going to have somewhere along the line on this journey. You're going to need it to overcome evil or to get wisdom or something like that, yeah. and so you learn to engage the practice, you know, until Jesus comes back. So, uh, so that's kind of a summary of what we looked at Sunday. We've talked about these practices being invitations, yeah, uh, and or you could say like they're gifts. They're yeah. gifts from God for us. And so we we talked about the Titus two passage, mm-hmm. uh, verse eleven talks about the grace of God, which the, the gifts of God appearing to us, offers offering salvation to people, teaching us or training us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. Mm-hmm. And so the whole self denial piece, it's like we. I don't feel like we can talk about that enough. People need to know that if you're going to follow Jesus, it is required of you that you say no every single day mm-hmm. to worldly lusts and pleasures, to sin for sure, all that type of stuff. And it's like, okay, well, how do you, as Paul says here, how do you train yourself to say no? How do you teach yourself to know? To say no, what's the tool and the gift that God has given you to make you better at saying no, mm-hmm. and it is fasting. And so fasting is not like, you know, f- there's a difference between fasting and repentance. Repentance is me turning to the kingdom of God and Jesus and saying no to, to, to sin. Something, that, some part of darkness or corruption. C- correct. Mm-hmm. Fasting is me choosing to say no to something that is like good mm-hmm. and, and maybe even necessary to live, food, drink. Then you've got, you know, you got like 1 Corinthians 7, you're like, you're, there's a choice to abstain and say no to sexual intimacy for the purpose of, you know, wanting to say breakthrough or something like that. So there's, there are these examples of abstinence and fasting all throughout the New Testament that uh, are no to good things so that mm-hmm. we actually, in part, can train ourselves to say no to the things that we have to if we're going to follow Jesus. Yeah, it's like, kind of like if you think the way you're explaining there, just kind of like bring it together. Fasting is like, does two things. It helps you say no to things that are illegal or illicit. Yep. So you're saying no to something that would be quote-unquote legal for you, Yep. and it gives you strength to then say no to things that are not legal for you. Mm. And then it also... When you say no to a good thing, another reason you would do that is because that good thing is pointing to a deeper thing yeah. in the kingdom of God. Yeah. So like food, we don't live, you know, food satisfies our bodies. When we say no to that food, we're saying yes to the word of God, let's say, medita- yeah. more meditation and prayer on, on him, yeah. and that's satisfying our souls. And so fasting has a, a very important place um, in discipleship with Jesus, for sure. And mm-hmm. honestly... In the specific context of self-denial, which isn't the only expression or use of fasting, but it is a big one, um, it is necessary. 
Like th- this has been necessary in my life. It mm-hmm. is the actual practice, like the main practice for me to be able to say no to the things that I need to say no to, or just to, to continue to teach myself that like following Jesus is a constant uh, saying yes to Christ and his ways and and being able to pursue those things and, and not be caught up in the, one, the idols of our hearts. Yeah, one of the things that we talked about in the, um, I think the intro to this was the second sermon of the series about this whole mindset of Christ, put off, put on. Right. That's what you're saying every day. Exactly. This, like, if all of the practices of prayer and meditation and fasting and giving all have some type of connection with this new life that I have in Christ, then I am saying I'm dying daily. I'm putting off the old man. I have to do that every day, mm-hmm. and fasting can serve those purposes, cultivate that to help that. And then I have to put on the new man as well, which, you know, I love that, and we started yesterday in Matthew 16, where Jesus says, say no, you know, to your to your life, so to speak, mm-hmm. so that you'll really find life. It's not that Jesus is just denying us pleasure or goodness. He's actually saying, no, I want a deeper, more lasting, eternal joy and pleasure for you, so. Mm-hmm. What's interesting, too, is we've talked about in the practices how, you know, it's not just simply addition. Like, if you're going to follow Jesus, subtraction is going to be a, a key here. Yeah. You're too busy, you're too full, these types of things. Mm-hmm. Fasting is actually a practice to make you subtract. Yes. Yep. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. y- it is an actual subtraction so yeah. that you can have parts of the fullness of God be added into you, onto you. Mm. The second point you made, uh, Mike, yesterday was that fasting is an aid for humility. Mm-hmm. And this was super interesting to me, so I have a question for you, because I love the statement you made where you said... Essentially, humility isn't just a virtue. It kind of like surpasses that. Humility is like the root of all other virtues. Mm-hmm. And so last night I'm having dinner with, you know, there was someone there who was not able to attend yesterday morning. They're out of town. They're like, hey, catch me up on this morning. And that was one of the things that stood out to me. And I said, Pastor Mike, you know, mentioned this. And I was thinking about it. And if you take like another virtue, for example, of being generous, if humility isn't tied to that, then basically I'm just like, hey, everybody look how generous I am, or I'm making myself feel good about myself. Mm -hmm. So talk to me a little bit about, you know, how does fasting aid or help cultivate a heart and posture of humility, and why is that so necessary? Yeah, thanks. It's a great question. You use the word, how does it aid or cultivate? And I think those are like the the perfect words for it. Fasting literally is just creating an opportunity. You could fast and be proud. Mm -hmm. That's what was going on. Isaiah 58. 58. Right. Totally. So it's not like... Fasting makes you humble. Yeah, that's good. But fasting can provide this opportunity where you are feeling a need in your body. Love it. And so humility isn't, it's just, humility is literally just recognizing what is. <laughs> a truly humble person doesn't put themselves down lower than they should be. Mm. It just puts them the stuff in the proper perspective. Mm. And so are, are we creatures that have needs? And the answer to that is yes. You know, but when you're full, you know, this is like Laodicea being lukewarm. They're like full, you know, and they think, oh, I don't have need of anything. And so what fasting does is it gives you an opportunity to feel in your body something that resonates or corresponds to a need in your soul. Mm. And so that's where, you know, these, this it becomes an opportunity. So it doesn't automatically, quote-unquote, make you humble. But when you feel that need in your body, and then you're processing through what the purpose of fasting is, is I'm longing for more of God, I'm pointing to something deeper where I'm living by His Word and not by bread alone, and other healthy ways of, of viewing fasting, then it does, a, you know, kind of... Um, it does cultivate this the sense of humility that, and it also helps you connect with those who are are lowly as well. 
you know, if you're always on the up and you're always, you know, you know, I never need anything. It's like you have a hard time recognizing the brokenness in your own heart and then also the brokenness around you. And I found that in seasons of fasting, like when I'm that way and someone comes to me with a need, I'm way more inclined. It's so much easier to connect with them when I'm kind of in a state where I've humbled myself and as a part of that humbling fasting. Is it kind of like recalibrating yourself to the story of the gospel? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because if you're prideful and like you... Um, if if you're just living in a constant sense of, I got this under control, you mm-hmm. know, especially like in America, Chase, you've talked about this, like, you know, okay, I, I have a job, I have clothes, I have a home, I have a car. It's kind of like things are fine. You're not, my needs aren't necessarily always just looking at me square in the face. And if something comes up, I'm kind of like, well, I'm going to figure it out. I'll figure it out. Yeah. I'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to do what I need to do to get it done. Whereas fasting forces us to remember who we are yet again apart from the grace of God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a way of rehearsing. There you go. Through um, what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Yeah, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the hungry, you know, like those type of things. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. Mm. Yeah, when you're full, you can be numb. Ooh. You can be numb to your mm-hmm. problems. And that's the whole thing with the, the American Apathetic. dream type mm-hmm. thing. It's like if we have all we need, then there's no, there's no pressure. And so when there's pressure, when you're hungry, or when you don't have something that you need, you start to act who you really are. That's the whole humble aspect thing. And so, Dan, I, you even talked about in sports, it's like when you're in a high-pressure situation, yeah. the game's on the line, and if something doesn't go your way, and you react a certain way, you're like, oh, that wasn't really me. It's like, mm-hmm. no, actually, that was you, because mm-hmm. that was deep within you, and you didn't know it was there. And fasting is an avenue by which we can experience things we didn't know were there. When we're hungry, mm. we, different all kinds of different emotions come up. Our bellies aren't full, and so yeah. we act differently. And so now the, we're like, okay, the sludge is revealed. And now yeah, we're right. and now we're humbled in a different way. We're humbled yeah. in a way that's like, whoa, I'm actually not as good as I thought I was. Right. Yeah. Whatever. And you yeah. and again, there's that opportunity again when yeah. that thing gets exposed. You can do one of two things: you can make excuses, you can deny it, you can defend it, you can do all those things. And as a coach, I've heard, I've seen athletes get exposed, mm. and you go to correct them and help them actually become better. And they are very insecure and they're self-defensive and they don't get any better. And mm. they're going to do the same thing they did before mm. because they weren't willing to grow. The exposure, again, this is where the fasting is an, it's an uh, opportunity. It's a, uh, I've just, my pride has been exposed in a way I didn't realize before. And now fasting is this gift that gives me an opportunity to repent of it and to be a deeper, more gracious, generous, whatever type of mm. Christian. Mm. That's great. Yeah, yeah, in many ways, suffering... You know, and fasting are kind of like yeah. connected here. Mm-hmm. You know, to take on a fast is to like willingly subject yourself to a, you know, a controlled form of suffering almost. Mm-hmm. And we know from the mm. scriptures that this is how you grow. You grow through suffering. You go through being challenged. You're, you know, Christians like to call it being stretched. Yeah. <laughs> Getting out <laughs> of our comfort like, zone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which actually just means suffering. You know what I yeah. mean? And so, um, you know, fasting is a way for us to kind of like willingly almost work that into our regular Christian experience where sure. I'm used to being hungry, I'm used to experiencing, and it's, you know, there's there's lots of suffering that's outside of our control that's far more intense. And, and so it's not, not putting it necessarily on the same level, but you're kind of feeling what that feels like, and you're kind of growing through that suffering. Yeah, I like how you're saying that, like kind of a controlled, measured, willing connection with others. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it shows empathy. 
Obviously, there can be an extreme form of that. Paul is against that. Or in, in Colossians, yeah. Yeah, in Colossians too, that would be like asceticism, where you think, you know, there's some type of false motive there. Yep. You're trying to manipulate God or something. Matter like is even evil in, in and of itself. Yeah, so, good. Yeah. Excellent. Right. Yeah, so, yeah, so we're not talking about that, but it, it is, it is. I like that you're saying kind of like this willing, controlled, kind of embracing of suffering um, in our lives. Yeah, and by the way, this was, like, Jesus is the example here. Mm-hmm. I mean, he subjected himself to a mild, controlled environment of suffering, mm-hmm. and, and then, uh, then the worst kind, for sure. But, I mean, his life, he could have come as what the world knows as a king, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. been rich and received all kind of accolades and, uh, you know, lived in homes and enjoyed all, but he often withdrew himself, forfeited sleep, forfeited food right. for the sake of, of others and love and like, you know, suffered like we suffered. Hebrews says like, like he's, he, he basically subjected himself to all kinds of temptations that we would experience yet mm-hmm. without sin. Mm-hmm. And so there is a manner which following Jesus does kind of call you to these mild forms of suffering. And by the way, in that sense, fasting could prepare you for when right. great suffering actually comes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. In, in the same way, saying no, like like we've been saying in that self denial, you know, saying no to something, you know, as good as and as small as food, you're exercising that. So when you do experience temptation, you're mm. you're used to that. You know, you're exercising that that no muscle. Mm. Yeah, there. Uh, there's a book called Dopamine Nation. It's not a Christian book, but it's just talking about the constant pursuit of pleasure mm-hmm. and that dopamine hit, like mm-hmm. you know, scrolling or whatever on a and basically, they in one of the quotes in this book is the paradox is that hedonism, which is the pursuit of pleasure for its own sake, leads to anhedonia, which is a technical term for the inability to enjoy pleasure of any kind. Yeah, mm. and so it's kind of like mm. we are willingly saying no to certain pleasures at certain times, so that we are actually freed and enabled to experience the joy of deep pleasure. And so again, that's I, I think. That's what, you know, in the, one of the tenets of that book, it's, it's like a book about psychology, is like the introduction of small controlled amounts of pain actually free us to enjoy greater things. And this is kind of like so many other things in our life. It's like exercise. It's like I submit myself to some exercise things so mm-hmm. that I can right. experience exactly. greater strength or health. We do or, this. You know, so it's, it's not like this you know, terribly profound thing, but maybe we've lost sight of it in a culture that is so bent on our comfort and so bent on our pleasure, and how much of that has kind of like snuck its way into the church and into our hearts. Uh, and fasting is this gift from Jesus to say, hey, if you do this, this is a gift for you, and along with your prayers, so that you can actually experience the deeper, richer pleasures yes. of the kingdom yes. that I've called you to experience. So yeah. I love thinking of fasting as a gift. Even though it's some, it's a practice of denial, it's a, still nonetheless a gift. Yeah. Ecclesiastes talks about how like... Um, not only does the sovereign Lord give good gifts, good blessings, but he also is the giver of the ability to, to enjoy, enjoy them. them. Yeah, I remember when you preached mm. Ecclesiastes, that was good. It's so powerful because, I mean, if you think, and, and how many times will you withhold yourself from something so that you can enjoy it more deeply later, mm. right? And so it's like, I mean, fasting can be a means of that. There are so many people who have what you would consider the great blessings of this world. They've got time, they've got opportunity, they've got money, they've got food, they've got homes, they've got accessibility to comfort and people, and yet so many of them are miserable. Yeah. It's like here they have these great gifts, 
and yet they don't have the ability to enjoy them. There's something missing. Mm-hmm. And so fasting actually strips away that which is good, that which is a blessing for us to acknowledge even like these things in and of themselves cannot actually make me happy. They're not the giver of joy and of life. What actually is, is our Heavenly Father. And so like I'm I'm re- refraining even from some of your good gifts to say that you're I, I desire the giver more than the gift, and then he can mm-hmm. give you and enhance your ability to enjoy. You're saying no to tin, so you can say yes yeah. to gold. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The, the the definition that we use for fasting as like it's longing for the king. That's Matthew nine. The king, the bridegroom will go, and then they'll fast. Mm-hmm. Is all the things that you're talking about there, like the the things that our hearts really want. I remember Chase, you had that call to worship. It was it really affected me. He's like, oh yeah. That if we wanted, we would we would recognize we're longing for the kingdom, and mm. so we're not just talking about a principle kind of like abstract out of, out of nowhere, like, hey, this is just like something you should do. It's like, no, this is this is inter- intricately related to the kingdom of God. Mm. Like, we are calling out for kingdom blessings to come to us in the name of Jesus, uh, and this is a gift, this is a means by which we can do that. I want to ask you a question, though, Dave, turning gears here a little bit. Ooh. The That's my job. <laughs> yeah. So... Someone wants to start fasting, yeah. which there's been some good response. Yep. I don't know if buzz is the right word, but there's definitely been a lot of conversations happening about, hey, I'm interested in this. I haven't tried it before. So give us some step-by-step things like to get started. A few reasons I love this question. The prep is to say, if you've been paying attention during our practices series, we, we said in the first two weeks, yeah. hey, we're, we're not going to just talk about these things, we're going to be doing these things. Mm-hmm. And so the, in the very beginning of, of the prayer practice, it's like, okay, here's where we're going to start. You know, we're not going to make you come up with your own prayer language. Like the, We're going to learn here the basics, and so we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer in the morning, mm-hmm. prayers of renewal, some Paul stuff at, at lunchtime. We're going to pray the Psalms in the evening, and we talk about the IOUs. And this has been a rhythm, a practice that is actually, even in testimonies I've heard, causing people to grow in their prayer life even beyond these these three times or ways. Well, here we are into our second week of fasting, and we haven't really called anybody to anything yet. And some of that's intentional. You asked that first week, like, how many of you have heard, you know, sermons on fasting? Okay, not many compared to prayer. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there's a lot of... I think some of the reasons people are not fasting is they just don't know what it means... They don't know how to, um, and then it's hard. <laughs> it's like harder to give up a meal than to say, our Father who art in heaven, yeah. hallowed be your name. Mm-hmm. But we're at the point now where it's like, we've got some plans, and we'll talk about this uh, coming up. We've got some plans these next few weeks for some more resources, even for us to put into practice some stuff during Advent before we pick back up in January with the practices again. But we want you now to take a look at the Swiss Army Knife and our conversation of fasting and, and start practicing. So it's like the first thing I would say is open up your calendar and pick a time. Yep. And just commit to a time and recognize that something's going to fight for you to do it and just commit to it. I'm not going to have breakfast on Thursday or I'm not going to do breakfast and lunch on Thursday and I'm going to commit to it. Mm-hmm. And so pick a time, set aside and commit to it. The second thing is do work ahead of time of, of what's that question that you mentioned? You know, what are you hungry for? Mm-hmm. And go down the list of this Swiss Army knife from yesterday. Like, where do you want to see breakthrough? You know, where do you need direction? You know, where do you need to grow in love? Where are areas where you're indulging and you need to practice self-denial? Put it on a sticky note, do some work, put it in your pocket, 
have a plan so that when you go in, you can think on these things, you can pray over these things, maybe even find some scripture or ask somebody to help you find some scripture that are associated with those things, and you can try to put those to memory that Mm. day. A third thing would be is I would get somebody else involved. If you're new to fasting, you probably need support, somebody to help keep you accountable, encourage you, you know, talk with you about it, pray for you. And so find a brother or a sister and get them involved and say, hey, I'm going to fast this day. Would you pray for me? Would you, you know, ask me how it's going? Talk to me. And then afterwards, you've mentioned this. We don't Mm -hmm. want you to evaluate, like score yourself, grade yourself, but we do want you to reflect. Yes. What was your experience? Mm-hmm. You know how you know how how are you feeling? What were some things? What were some hindr- obstacles? Or what was surprising to you? And and even talk to somebody about what your experience of fasting was. Mm-hmm. Evaluating versus reflecting is like you know there's three ways you can really mess up fasting, <laughs> which is pitfalls. Pitfalls, mm-hmm. which is I'm doing this to manipulate God so I can get what I want outside of His kingdom. Okay, if that's what you're doing, you can evaluate yourself, and you can say, no, that was wrong. I did it wrong. If you, you know, have a Thanksgiving meal during your fast... (laughs) It's not fasting. You also did it wrong, you know what I mean? Or if, you know, you're being proud about it and you're boasting to other people, then you've done it wrong. Which, by the way, the third point that you made about getting someone else involved is not necessarily... You know, violating Jesus isn't saying you should never tell anyone else that you're fasting. Right. There in Matthew six, he's saying don't flaunt it. Right. You know, asking for help is way different than saying you know I'm flaunting my. And thing. by the mm-hmm. way, if you're going to somebody personally to say, hey, uh, there's something in my life so serious that I need to fast about it, that's actually humility. Yeah. That's vulnerable. Yeah. Especially mm-hmm. if I'm going to somebody being like, there's there's something in my life that needs to go, and I've. I now no longer like I need I need to amplify all my efforts. Yeah. I need the Holy Spirit to show up. That's an act of humility. I mean mm-hmm. it's Yeah. So and then, you know, reflection would be like improvement. You know, like um like saying um well you're going to be able to grow like, you know, you you know, if you set out to do a 24-hour fast and let's say after 20 hours or something you get really hungry, you go have something to eat. You know, you shouldn't be marking that as like an F, right, as if right, right. like, oh, I, I'm a failure, I feel guilty about this fast. You know, did you give in other than what you set out to do? Well, sure, but like that's an area for growth. Maybe you didn't um, pray as much as you had anticipated or desired mm-hmm. during that yeah. fast. Mm-hmm. That's an opportunity to grow. But, you know, as opposed to this scorecard type of mentality, yeah. which really turns these practices away from something um, that we're doing in order for God to, you know, that thing that we keep saying, creating space for God to do stuff in us that we can't do, mm-hmm. it turns that into a performance, you know, and then I start sure. grading myself, well, how well did I pray today? How well did I fast today? You know, how much time did I spend in silence and solitude and all of that kind of stuff? And yeah. so it's really not a matter of grading myself, but still having that category of, well, I do want to grow in these things. Yes, like that's I, very you good. Know, I want to fast in order that I might pray more and more and more. And mm-hmm. so, you know, with the eye toward growth there. You're literally practicing. Right. Yeah. They're spiritual it's practices. It's a great word. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the, They're not spiritual performances. Yeah, that's great. There you go. That's Shoot. great. <laughs> yeah. So, excellent. So, you know, those three things, well, four things really, you know, plan a time in your calendar, like... And, and commit to it. Like you said, you know, 
if you plan for that for Thursday, you can anticipate that Wednesday night, you'll think it's a terrible idea. Yeah. <laughs> <But> <laughs> or just... somebody's going to invite you to breakfast on Thursday that you've been trying to get up with for the last month. Like something's going to happen. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so just commit to it. Yeah. Do that sticky note. What am I hungry for? Yeah. And like you said, do that prior to Be ready when for you're... it. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And then let somebody know. Mm-hmm. And then think about it. How did it go? And, it, yeah. and and I would say, you know, pay close attention to, you know, your feelings. Yeah. What you felt as you did that. Yeah. You know, were you angry? Were you glad? Were you relieved? Was it easier than you thought? Was it harder than you thought? You know, how did you how did you feel through that? What temptations entered your heart and mind? Mm-hmm. Stirred up is something Sludge. that I try to yeah. pay attention to. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, a big encouragement here is. Hey, it's it's time to just start doing this. Mm-hmm. Like and that's the point of practice. This is how we grow. This is how we get better. We just start doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes we can be paralyzed and and not do things because we just feel like unsure. We don't really know how. So this is it's here we go. I love this because you know Dan, you talked about how we're now heading into Advent season, where it seems like we're taking a break from the practices, but it's actually an opportunity for us to like actually be practicing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so right now we're saying, hey, schedule time and just start small and and start participating in some kind of a fast. Mm-hmm. But there are a few other resources coming out these next three weeks, right? Yep. There's a survey. So if you remember when we were talking through prayer, we had a prayer survey uh, that was really helpful for us, uh, gathering your experiences. It was very prayer. helpful. You know, we had a couple and it of... And help the people who took it. For sure. Through prayer. Well, I, I think for... Yeah, absolutely. And we had a couple of those group chats, um, Sermon Plus episodes, where mm-hmm. some of our elders and shepherding team got to talk through some of those answers. So uh, we're going to have a similar survey on fasting, so be on the lookout for that, uh, looking to gather some information. Again, we'll be having some of those group chats where uh, some other folks are going to be sharing some of their experiences uh, with fasting as well. Uh, there's also going to be a worksheet yeah, we want to do a, a, a way to help you build out a day for fasting. And so it's like mm-hmm. we're encouraging you to jump in, but we'll also kind of provide uh, kind of like a, almost like a workflow, a, works, a worksheet that you can, you know, especially if you feel like you're brand new to this, uh, you can just, you know, work through that worksheet. And that'll be a means to kind of like get you rolling uh, into the practice as well. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And then we'll be talking more about this uh after the first of the year, for sure. Yeah, we'll we'll begin. You know, we'll start trying to introduce and recommend some more communal fasting for us here at New mm-hmm. City for consecration for ourselves, direction for our church, those type of things. I know there's already, you know, a lot of the leaders are already practicing uh, this kingdom practice, and so that's been encouraging. But yeah, we'll we'll reengage uh, again. Like, not that we're we won't fully disengage, you know, from this uh, over through the Advent season, but we'll we'll reengage it more directly uh, come the new year. And we'll we'll mention we'll we'll hit hard fasting on Christmas Eve and Christmas morning as well. We'll just we'll make sure we hit every major holiday. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was great. That's uh, <laughs> really great, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so be on the lookout for that fasting survey. There's a section in the bottom questions. That's really helpful. Obviously, yeah. it will take you some extra time as you're filling it out. Um, but we would love to hear that. You yeah. know, love to be able to try to address some of those questions as we can. So, thanks for listening. And uh, we'll be back next week.